great Sunday. Uh, for those who missed it last week, we had a, a video, as, as most of the message, uh, around Bible translation and, and all about Bible translation. And so as I come to preach uh, for the first time in 2021, uh, I'm reminded, uh, coming out of last Sunday, of what an immense privilege it is that we have the Word of God so readily accessible to us. And what we take for granted that we have this translation in our own language, uh, that we can have accessibility to it at any time, uh, is a great privilege that not all the world still today has. And so um, I want to pray that God will speak through His Word today as we open it up. Um, we'll share to start with about a theme that we're looking at for this year. Um, uh, just over 12 months ago, uh, as many of you would know, a fire broke out in late December in Cuddly Creek, and the fire spread rapidly on the day, a little hotter than today in a lot windier, catastrophic fire danger day. Fire began to spread right across the hills, and as it, uh, as it burned in, in a couple of hours, it, it um, burned through thousands and thousands of acres of farming land and paddocks and vineyards and raised houses, and took several lives. And after that, um, I remember driving through the hills. We were um, serving coffees for people at Bowhenna Oval. And I remember taking a break from that and going for a drive just to see it. And of course, the paddock was blackened, and the trees were blackened. And it just, you could just see the devastation right throughout the hills. But the most remarkable thing happened is that I happened to do the same drive only maybe a few weeks later because we had some unseasonal summer rains very shortly after the fires went through. And I remember driving to Lobethal and going through that Ocabringa Valley only a matter of weeks after the fire. And in many places, suddenly you could barely see the traces of a fire having gone through. The grass just grew back so quickly. And then only a matter of a few months later, uh, on all the trees began to grow this incredible, that had been burnt, began to grow out of the trunks, this most incredible um, foliage. I say the word foliage. Um, you joke that I can't say that word properly within our family. Um, amazing. The trunks themselves bursting forth with new growth. And it reminded me of this most incredible thing that God is in the business of bringing renewal and actually within creation God has created the creation itself to renew itself. There's a verse in scripture Psalm 104 verse 30 and it's speaking about all the creatures, all the animals on the earth and it says when you send your spirit they are created and you renew the face of the earth. You bring renewal to the earth. Part of what God does is he renews creation. So as Nick and I went away and we were reflecting on our theme for the year, this idea of renewal was the theme that came to us. That just as God had brought renewal to the landscape of the Adelaide Hills and was renewing it, we wanted to see God bring renewal in our church. After a year of disruption and uncertainty where things weren't exactly happening, we wanted to see God renewing our church. And our prayer, my prayer, is that God would bring spiritual renewal in the heart of every person in our church. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, uh, Paul's talking about how we've got, we're jars of clay, but inside us is something precious. And he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. 
Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So this speaks about not just like a you become a Christian and receive the Spirit and there's this moment of renewal, but it's actually saying that what God wants to do in our lives is to renew us day by day. Today, tomorrow, the next day, right throughout this year. Day by day he wants to bring an ongoing renewal uh, in our hearts. I was talking this week, uh, caught up with Simon Hermel, we were talking about Loverthal and, and plan to meet with that team of people who are going to plant a new congregation in Loverthal in about 12 months' time. And we really want them to be a people on mission. And so we're thinking about a good resource about how we're going to go equipping and training them to be on mission to their community. And Simon reminded me of something that I thought was just a brilliant insight. He said, if we want to see renewal in the community at Loverthal, first we need to see renewal in the church. If we want to see renewal in the church, we need to see renewal in people's hearts. So revival out there starts with revival in here, and revival in here starts with revival in here. What would a church look like if every person was being spiritually renewed and filled with God's spirit and his word and excited and joyful about that? What would happen? You see, you can run all sorts of programs and events, but actually you can do all that you want, and I could preach passionately, and I could challenge people, and I could start thumping the pulpit, and if people aren't being renewed spiritually, it's all a waste of time. Equally, we could organise very few events and programs and ministries, and I could preach very quietly, (laughs) and if people are being spiritually renewed, amazing things will happen even through the church. That is what we desire to see. So this morning I want to preach a message which I've titled Living from the Overflow. Living from the Overflow. I'm going to read our scriptures for today and then I'll get into talking about what that means. So I'm going to read two passages of scripture I believe are connected. Psalm 1 and then John chapter 4 verse 1 to 15. Let's read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff. That the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And if I jump ahead to uh, John chapter 4, we'll read that one then. Jesus talks with the Samaritan woman. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptised, uh, who baptised by his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? He tells us in the passage, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, will never be thirsty. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming here to drink water. If you go I'll stop there. What does living from the overflow mean? Well, I want you to picture in your mind a rainwater tank. Someone out this pointed out to me, this rainwater tank is drawing from a bore and there's a windmill to make it happen. But I want you to think about a rainwater tank at your house connected to your gutters, as most of you have in your homes and as we have in our homes. Our rainwater tank, uh, uh, rainwater flows from the gutters and it's in the, down below our house. And then most of the year... Uh, we use that water for everything in our house. So most of the year we don't use mains water at all. We use the rainwater. And there's sort of two seasons in the house. The first is the, the winter and the spring, and that is when uh, we're using the water from the rainwater tank. But as we're using the water, often enough it's raining, so it's continually being replenished. We use all the water we, we need, and the, and the tank stays full. And if I ever want to worry about it, I can go and tap the tank and you get that sound, that deep resonance of knowing the tank is full. Or you put your hand against the tank and you feel that cool, coolness of knowing there's cool, fresh water inside of it. That's the winter season. But there's another season, which is summer. And in summer, uh, we keep using the water from the tank, but it stops raining. And so instead of having this sense of this continual replenishment where the, where the tank gives out but is also being renewed and refreshed and refilled, you have this season where the tank is slowly going down. And I can go out and put my hand there and, and tap on it and I notice it's continually being depleted. To the point where someone's in the shower and you hear that sound and the pipes stop working and they get dosed in the brown muck that's been drawn up on you. Go to fill the cup with water and you go, I'm not drinking that. And it's like, okay, we've run out of water. Now we're going to have to pay our uh, water bill. Um, and the question I guess I'm asking this morning is, how are you living your faith? What does your faith look like? Are you actually living in that season where you are being continually replenished and refilled with the pure water that God has to give you or are you actually trading on another season in your life when, when you were spiritually alive and spiritually full and now you're simply being slowly depleted in your spiritual vitality? 
and you're getting emptier and emptier. When I was a few years into my ministry, I went on a prayer retreat, and we were encouraged to um, take the morning of like a few hours to be still and to rest and to, 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 to be with God, and be silent and still with God. And that concept uh, at the time didn't excite me at all. And so I thought, look, I, I can be with God, and I, I'm, I'm going to do this task, but I'll also use the opportunity to get fit at the same time. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I, I decided I would pray as I walk laps around uh, my Lord Baptist Centre. And then I thought, well, I, you know, I'll probably, you know, it'd be nice to listen to some music, so I'll get my headphones out. And so I'm pacing laps of the oval at speed, listening to music. Meanwhile, the person running the retreat, a guy called Russell Bartlett, who's a great retired pastor, he is uh, sitting on a rock, you know, watching a gentle stream flow by. But out of the corner of the eye, he sees this crazy young pastor just going past him, lap after lap. I could tell. He wasn't particularly impressed by this. And, um, you know, while it's actually okay to walk and pray at the same time, and while it's okay to listen to music and pray, there was something about the way that I was going about that that reflected the way that I was going about ministry. Which was, I want to go fast, I want to go hard, I want to multitask, I want to get stuff done, I don't want to stop, I want to be on the move, I want to be seen to be on the move. And that's how I was doing ministry. And I had a conversation with Russell after that. And he actually talked to me about how much study I was doing and how much work I was doing and the hours I was putting in and all of this kind of stuff. And he was a little concerned. And I said, Russell, you don't understand. I'm a high-functioning person. I'm a high-functioning pastor. Not everyone's high-functioning. But I'm a high-functioning person. I understand other people need different levels of, of the pace that they go in ministry. And uh, to be honest with you, I looked at some pastors and thought, I'm a little bit concerned with the pace they're going. I'm slack, really. And... Uh, I'm a high-functioning pastor. Second thing, I've got, a, I've got a different personality type to this pastor that needs to rest and take breaks all the time. You know, I'm an all-systems go kind of guy. I'm an activist personality. Others are contemplating. <laughs> the contemplators need this stuff. But I don't. And what was the third thing? Oh, the third thing was, I've been, I've been doing this kind of ministry now for like four years. I've been sustaining this for four years. You know, I'm like the marathon runner who set up in a sprint. And four K's in, I'm like, hey, I'm going fine. I don't need to stop at the drink station. I'm, I'm going well here. But the concern that Russell had would in time come back to be revealed as something very true. Because when you slowly deplete the tank year after year, you actually discover after a while that the tank is coming to the point of being empty. I'll get back to that later. Let's open up. Um, Psalm chapter 1. And I guess I say out of this that everything I preach today comes not because I'm the ultimate model of uh, Christian renewal, but someone who's learned a lot through trial and error and mistakes. Psalm 1 is um, the, first, uh, the first psalm in the book of Psalms. That's probably not a great revelation to you. It's insightful. Um, the Psalm 1 is, is strategically placed it, it, it occupies the first psalm for a good reason. When the psalms were compiled 
it was placed there for good reason because it actually sets the tone of the Psalms. Some would say that Psalm 1 is a, almost like a, a summary of all the Psalms in one. It captures the whole message of the Psalms. As you may know, the Psalms were praises or songs. They were written to the, the songs that were sung outside the temple, uh, the songs sung by the Jewish people. And uh, the Psalms are often very personal, very real. And this psalm sort of sets the scene for the whole book. It's essentially a picture, Psalm 1, of what it looks like to live deeply with God. To live from the overflow rather than to live from the situation where ministry, where spirituality is slowly depleted. Uh, Psalm 1 is, is a way or the pattern for someone to live deeply in relationship with God and to know that blessing of being closely connected to our loving Father and to the Spirit and to the risen Saviour, Jesus. But it starts off firstly speaking of the negative. It speaks about the blessed one. The blessed is the one who does not do certain things. The three things are, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, I don't know if you realise this, but basically, the three things it says, sitting down, standing up, and walking, are basically what you do when you are awake. From the minute that you wake up, you are generally either sitting, walking, or standing. So this is like the whole of, the whole of your waking hours, how you spend them. And also, it's highlighted by the... Um, uh, people who have analysed this, that each of the three things are actually getting continually worse. So, blessed is one who does not walk in step with the wicked, which is actually not about being wicked, but just kind of being alongside wickedness. The second one is, is uh, blessed is one who does not stand in the way that sinners take, which is kind of like now being more engaged with wickedness. And then the third one is, uh, blessed is the one who does not sit in the company of mockers. Now that is actually sitting down, uh, like when you sit down with someone and have a coffee, you're actually really, really genuinely engaging in a deeper way and actually joining with them in, in being a mocker. And so this third one is this, this picture of, of the point where you reach a place of being uh, totally away from someone who's following God in his way. And when you're in that place, you're in a place of arrogance, superiority and cynicism, mocking. You look at others and you mock them. So blessed is the one who does not do these things. Instead, uh, that person's delight is in what the law of the Lord. And the first thing I highlight here is this word delight. Delight. Sometimes in, in ministry or in, in church or in Bible study, we can do things out of a sense of duty or obligation. We do things because it's, it's our duty. But actually, uh, the blessed person is one whose delight is in the law of the, God, of the Lord, who, who delights in the ability to draw near to God, who delights in this opportunity to come close and spend time with God. And for the, for the people growing up in the Old Testament, the law of the Lord is, is the Scriptures, that's what it's referring to. And the law of the Lord for them, like if we read the first five books of the Bible, which is what the law was, the law books, the first five books known as the Pentateuch, um, to some extent, they don't seem too warm and fuzzy and inspirational. But for the, for, the, for the Jewish people who studied these books, these were a revelation of the goodness of God. The fact that God would give his law and reveal himself 
was a sign of his deep love. Just as you realise as you get older that you had parents who disciplined you and who guided you and who cared for you and who directed your path, you look back and you realise they did that out of love. They did that because of their care for you. That nurturing and that protecting and that guiding was, and discipline even was not because they didn't like you. Discipline was actually because of their love for you. So God gives his boundaries and he gives his guidance because of his deep love for his people. And so they would come before and they would study his word. And they would study it till it was actually not just something they did for 15 minutes a day, but it was something that was deeply ingrained in them so they knew the word and they knew their God. Because it says here, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate. How often? When? Day and night. Day and night. So we might think about meditating on God's word. We think about going and doing a devotion for 15 minutes. Now that might be part of meditating on God's word. It might be important. But this is about something far more. This is about God's Word and, and being in God's presence and knowing that and dwelling with God, that actually becomes something that fills your whole life. The danger with Christianity is that you come to church and you sort of check in to, to your Christian faith and then you check out again or you check in for a little devotion or you check into a small group and when you go away from those things, you then kind of just live your life like everyone else. That's not at all the picture here. The picture is someone who, through the Word of God and knowing God and being dwelling with God, has become something that is so central to every part of their, their the whole of their life, the whole of their day, that it then infuses and is part of everything. On His Word, He meditates day and night. And we get this beautiful description of what that person is like. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And so the, the, the person who is deeply connected to God is, is like a tree whose roots go down and draw from that beautiful water flowing through the river. And then out of that, 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 that drawing of the water comes this fruitfulness. And the fruitfulness is, is like living from the overflow. It's like you take fruit off a fruit tree, and if you take the fruit off, it's not as though, well, there's never going to be any more fruit again. Because the fruit tree will just continually renew. This is how it's designed in creation. And that is how it should be for the Christian life. It shouldn't be that you, you just give out and then you end up empty. But actually, if you're fruitful and if you're drawing and nurturing, drawing from that, that rich richness that God provides, there should be a fruitfulness that continues and continues and continues. So you can give out and not end up empty. That is how God's designed for us to live. And the contrasting image is the wicked are like chaff. Now, it's another nature image. What's the difference between the tree and chaff? Well, one of the defining differences is moisture content. The chaff is amongst the most dry and completely lacking in moisture. So the tree's got the green leaves. It's drawing up the water. It's producing this fruit. You take the fruit off and bite into it. It's a a juicy, beautiful, refreshing thing. But chaff is dried out. Chaff is so dry that if you hold a, a handful of chaff in your hand and just blow on it, chaff is the husk from wheat and stuff like that. You blow on it, it just, it just goes away to nothing. It just blows out of your hand because it's so dry. And then this contrast between the two images is very stark. 
Now, how does Psalm 1 tie in with John chapter 4? Well, the answer is that both of them are tied to this idea of water and of moisture content for another thing. The woman in John chapter 4 who Jesus meets at a well in a town in Samaria is a woman who is deeply troubled. She's lived a deeply troubled life. We don't know the full story, we just get this glimpse of it. But the thing we find out about her is she's a lady who's been married five times and is now living with a man who's not her husband. And I don't know about you, but I'm finding as I get older, I'm getting more compassionate. Because in the old days I might have read this passage and said, well, that she was a sinful woman. And we just put her up here as an example of someone who's done the wrong thing and she's a bad person. And yes, there's choices she's made and the choices she's making are not good. But I feel a great empathy for this woman. Because I think about what must have led her to be a woman who's had five husbands and now lives with a man who's not her husband. And what pain has been in her life. And what brokenness has been in her life. And the dryness in her life. You see, the setting of this passage is not by coincidence that Jesus meets her at a well. And he meets her at a well and starts talking about living water. So this is a woman who is desperately spiritually dry and thirsty for something that will sustain her and refresh her and renew her. And so Jesus comes and starts talking about a kind of water that is different than the water in the well. He talks about living water. And he says to her, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew what God has for you that God wants to give you as a free gift, and if you knew the person who you're talking to, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. Living water. Living water that flows up and wells up and is like a spring in you. Again, the rainwater tank image slowly depletes. The opposite of that is a spring. A spring that is constantly renewed, that is constantly there, producing a beautiful, fresh water. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Indeed, the water that he would have given is water that wells up within you, uh, welling up to eternal life. She says, Sir, give me this water. But this morning I want to say to you, that that same offer of Jesus is alive to us, is available to us and offered to us this morning. Jesus offers streams of living water to refresh and renew our soul and spirit as we go into 2021. And so I want to come back to the question that I asked at the start, which is this, how full is your tank? If I was to, if I was to tap on your tank, so to speak, if I was to kind of come along and, and tap on the tank, what am I going to hear in your spiritual well-being? Am I going to hear a hollow sound that reflects that for whatever reason you have been slowly depleting in your faith? Or would I tap that tank and feel the side of it and go, yes, I hear that deep resonance of a spiritual life that is being renewed and renewed and renewed day by day? And is refreshed and there's something there that you're ready to give out to other people because God is filling you and there's the overflow that you can give out. How's your tank as you start 2021? 
Well, it's an interesting question because this is what I do know. Life drains the tank. Life drains the tank. Does anyone know that life drains the tank? Life drains the tank in so many ways. Some of you are, well, all of us are facing such unique circumstances in life. And whatever your circumstances, there are things in your life that drain the tank. Some of you are here in the stage of life where life is full on and you've got kids and they're running around and it's noisy. Others of you are retirees looking after grandkids or looking after aging parents. Some of you are facing illness of various kinds. Some of you are facing circumstances that I don't even know that are difficult. Some of you have been through stuff that affects your life, even stuff from a long time ago. And all of these things can drain your tank. And life itself is this continual challenge. And it is easy for us to end up depleted. I've talked about my story before. When I started out in ministry, my tank was full. It was to the brim. That's why I could run so fast and, and do so much and felt like I was super pastor. My tank was so full that when I was three years into ministry and the senior pastor who had called me into ministry and been a father figure to me and a mentor, when he overnight we discovered a massive moral failure and he was removed from ministry. And a couple of days later I visited him in a hospital or in a institution because he had a massive breakdown and would never be in ministry again. But my tank was so full I powered through that, it was okay. And when I went through the stage of life, we had three young kids under four and one of them chose not to sleep for 18 months because of health issues. And we got through this whole crazy stage of life and at the same time trying to do ministry and I'm studying and I'm working and it's full on. I was okay because the tank at the start was so full. And I thought I was kind of invincible. And I've been in ministry for 18 years now. And I ran, I sprinted ministry as though it was a sprint when it was meant to be a marathon. For 15 years I was going great guns. And about three years ago I began to realise that I was drawing from the bottom of the tank, not the fresh water at the top of the tank. And I began to realise that I needed to change some things. And so the last couple of years for me, in the background, and you probably haven't seen this, and I don't know whether you've noticed the change in me or not. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. The last couple of years have been about discovering new ways so that I might live my life from the overflow, not from the slowly draining tank. Because actually the thing that someone said to me which really impacted me is this. Someone said to me one day, Mark, the best gift you can give to your church is this. That you would give to your church the gift of a healthy, spiritually alive you. The best gift you can give to your church is a healthy, spiritually alive you. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're a parent, the best thing that you can give to your children is a healthy, spiritually alive you. If you're married, the best thing that you can give to your spouse is a healthy, spiritually alive you. If you're in a workplace, if you've got friends that you seek to care for, in whatever your circumstance, the best gift you can give to other people that you connect with in your life is a healthy, spiritually alive you. Rather than someone who's living out of emptiness but trying to give out all the time. Because it doesn't lead to a healthy place. Jesus, uh, and guys you can come up there and start to draw this to a close. Right, you're already there. <laughs> Jesus once uh, encountered 
a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. And he went to their home. And it says that Martha opened her home to, to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary. Mary came in and sat at Jesus' feet. Now listening to what he said. Beautiful picture. She sat at Jesus' feet. But Martha, Martha was distracted, it says, by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. They're making preparations for when Jesus arrives. Jesus has actually already arrived. He's already there. And she's still making preparations. And Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. How many people these days could that be said of? You are worried and upset about many things. And he says, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. We have to choose what is better. No one will choose for us. No one will choose for us. We need to choose what is better. So um, I'm going to get really practical now. And I'm going to fly through 20 ways that you can be intentional about growing in your faith in 2021. I'm going to go through this really quickly. And don't try to write this down. I'll put it out. I'll put it out somehow this week. Here's 20 ways you can be intentional about renewing your faith. The KB is this. You don't have to do all of these things. Not all of them will be relevant to your life. So let, me, let me go through. One. Remember to pray before every meal. It's a very simple thing to pray before every meal and give thanks, but we're reminded when we do that every good thing comes from God. And if you do this, at the very least, you'll be praying three times a day. Second. If you've got kids, pray with them every night. If you've got kids at home, pray with them every night. Pray with them every night. It's a blessing and a privilege to be able to do that. Thirdly, when you have problems this year, don't spend ages fretting about them, worrying about them, and strategizing to overcome them. Pray at the start. Pray before you start worrying instead of worrying. Fourth, when you celebrate something this year, a special birthday, an anniversary, when you've got something to celebrate, pray about it. Very often we only pray in the bad times, but we forget to pray in the good times. At a family birthday, take time to pray. Great thing. Fifth, load a Bible app on your phone if you haven't already. Bible apps are amazing. They enable you to have the Word of God with you whenever, wherever you are at all times. They have Bible reading plans on them. You can listen to the Bible being read rather than just reading. Number seven. Um, uh, oh, number seven is listen to the Bible, reading the Bible. Now. Sometimes hearing the Bible read is really profound rather than just reading it. Number eight. Do a daily devotion. These can be purchased in paper or digital form. You can watch or listen to them. Number nine. Uh, read a good Christian book this year. Read a good Christian book. There's a lot of bad Christian books. Read a good one. Find a good one. Read it. Maybe you set yourself a goal. I'm going to read two books this year. I'm going to read three books or one per term. But at least read one book this year. Uh, there's a lot of books that can really speak into your life. If you do a, number 
says to you a commute, you have to commute. Turn off your radio. Turn on an audio book, a sermon or a podcast. Use your commute. You've got this huge amount of time there. Or use one way of your commute to tune into God and forgive them. Number 11, go for a walk and pray while you walk. Sorry, Kiki Gauss said, most problems can be solved by a good walk. I love to walk and pray. I said before I had that when I was walking around praying. It's not bad to walk and pray. Walking and praying is a great thing. I do a lot of praying while I walk. Number 12, serve in the church this year. Use your gifts. Serving others is a way in which you grow spiritually. We grow as we give out. Number 13, be intentional about loving people outside of the church as an expression of your faith. Ask God maybe this year who it is that he wants you to invest in and love. Or just daily, ask God to put before you people you can be a blessing to. Number 14, join a life group this year because praying and studying the word of God with people in small community is actually what we're created for. Number 15, keep a journal. Keeping a journal is a powerful and effective way of reflecting on your faith. It's also an encouragement to look back later on and see how God has answered prayer. Number 16, get a mentor or a close friend who you actually decide to intentionally meet with on a regular or occasional basis to talk about faith and to talk about how you're going in faith. Number 17, take a Sabbath day once a week. Once a week, spend 24 hours, a 24-hour period where you do not check your phone for work emails or take work calls. It can be done and you'll be blessed by doing that. And in that time, you'll actually... Uh, spend more time with your family and with God. Oh, here's another one for it's not part of my list. Spend less time on your phone, except when looking at a Bible app. <laughs> Number 18, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Number 19, come to church. Uh, come to church. And here's a thought. Come to church every week. I'll be here and I'd love to see you. Number 20. Remove the words, I don't have time from your vocabulary. We're all busy. I'm busy. Even as a pastor, I'm busy. I know pastors, I think things only works one day a week, but uh, I'm actually pretty busy. We can make time. We can prioritise. So remove the words, I don't have time from your vocabulary. Growing in God actually requires intentionality. So it's a bit like when you decide to become healthy or you decide to get fit or something like that. You can have the best of intentions, but you need some intentionality about how you're going to do that. You need to have a bit of a plan. You need to have some consistency. And in my experience, it helps to have some accountability. So who's with you on the journey and who's going to help you with that? That's my challenge this year. That you might make a priority to find a way to sit at Jesus' feet as Mary did. What a tragedy it is if Jesus was to come to town and was to be there teaching and just loving you and you would not sit as his feet. Well, of course, Jesus has come to town. He's poured out his spirit and God is with us. And he longs to bless us with an outpouring of his spirit, to speak through his word, to speak and bless us in so many ways. How foolish if we are to end up dry when living water is available. How wonderful to live a new life, to live from the overflow. That is my prayer for our church this year, that you would live from the overflow. It is possible. God wants to bless your life and pour out into you living water. So let's pray. Let me pray for you. Heavenly 
promise that Jesus gives. And he wants to fill us with living water that will be within us like a spring that rises up to eternal life. That we can know you in our life today and every day and we can know you for eternity. I want to pray for every person in our church that in the busyness of life and in the difficulties of life and in the challenges of life that do drain the tank, that you would renew us this year. And in doing so, you would renew our vision, you would renew our love for others, renew, renew our love for your word, renew our love for prayer. You grow us, change us, because it's your likeness. Bless each person in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.